Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my God, Trump, and the 2020 election podcast for Tuesday, August 25th. And earlier today, I had the opportunity to interview none other than evangelist Kenneth Copeland, who everyone knows, uh, who I've covered over the years. The first time I ever wrote about him was 1979. We had him on the cover of Charisma magazine that that year. And um, of course, Charisma was very, very small. And And I mentioned in the podcast the effect that that interview and that article that I wrote has had on me over the years. But today we're talking about the very, very serious situation we're in in America and how he and I both believe that this election is very crucial. But he talks about it differently. He doesn't talk about it from a political situation. He talks about it based on the Word of God and how we can exercise faith and what that means, that no matter what's going on, we must have faith. And he says it much better than I can, so... Listen to my podcast with evangelist Kenneth Copeland. Brother Copeland, it's so good to be able to interview you for my podcast. I've done it before, and right now we are facing something very, very important in our culture. Uh, There's a lot of unrest, and of course we're facing a uh, presidential election like no other we've ever had. And one of the things I try to do as a Christian journalist throughout my career, and especially on this podcast, is to try to help people to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying about this and how we should discern things with spiritual eyes. And that's what I'd like to start by asking you, uh, evaluate what's going on spiritually and what people can do. Stephen, well, first place, thank you for having me on, man. I, I love you. We've spent a lot of years together, and I don't think you have any idea of the impact that your life and career has had on the body of Christ and it's and 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 this and the body of Christ's influence and power where this nation is concerned. Um, we've not seen anything like this before. And uh, <clears throat> but God has. And uh, it's not like he found out about it when we started praying about it because <laughs> He knew it all the time. So the most, the greatest advantage that any born-again spirit-filled Christian has in life or in, in any realm is we can go before the Lord and find out things. We don't have to take what the news media says about it. We can find out the truth in it and the truth about it. Two things that need to be said about this. Number one. Where you place your eyes and ears is extremely important. 
faith, according to Romans 10, 17, comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Now, Steve, the faith and fear are both spiritual forces. Fear is faith. Fear of a, of a, of a disease. Fear of a, of, of a dangerous animal. Is faith in that disease ability to hurt or kill you. Faith, on the other hand, is just the opposite from that. To dwell day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out, glued to that television set, watching all those reports about, about coronavirus and COVID-19 and all of that will develop faith in it. Now, the same thing is true when it comes to choosing a president, choosing a senator, choosing a governor. It is extremely important who the people of God put in that office. I just finished a meeting with a very good friend of yours in Bible. Now, his the governor of his state, because he was attempting to have church, sent the police out to arrest him because there was a crowd gathering in that church. Right on the other hand, everything else in town is open. The bars are open. Everything else is open. But, oh, you can't have church. Now, Stephen, he had to sue the man to get permission to have church. And the police came out there and said, Pastor, please forgive us. We're, we're not here because we mean to. We're here because we have to be. On the other hand, Governor Greg Abbott here in the state of Texas. Now, I'm not as well acquainted with him as it was Rick Perry. Rick Perry and I were, 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 were very, uh, uh, we, we were more than just acquaintances. We were, we were friends. But I met Governor Abbott, very godly man, loves God. Now, he said, church is essential. Not only that, abortion clinics are not essential, and he shut them down. And we have church in the state of Texas. And we do, too, here in the state of Florida. Our governor 
uh, Ron DeSantis also de- uh, determined that churches were essential. But, you know, we whether or not the governor says it, we have constitutional rights. You know, everyone makes That's a big right. deal about the First Amendment. And the, fir- the very first right in the First Amendment is freedom of religion and freedom of assembly. And these are often overlooked um, with, you know, the freedom to redress our grievances before the government, which is, I guess, what the protesters use. And I think it just shows how ungodly these people are. And, you know, they've used this pandemic to take away our freedoms, which I think is one of the most important reasons to vote for Donald Trump, because he has been a strong defender of religious freedom and of churches and of Christians. And he's been open to um, counsel from Christian leaders such as yourself. And I've documented, of course, what I'm saying is not really a secret, but I documented it in several of our books where you firsthand mm-hmm. saw people praying for the president. You went to that nice dinner that he had where he told you that he watched you and Gloria all the time on TV. I mean, you know, he's been yes, a great sir. friend of Christians, yet some Christians nitpick and say he's not a nice guy and they shouldn't vote for him. But the alternative is socialism. It really is socialism. And I never thought I would live long enough to see uh, a socialist of any a major party run for president, yet that's what we're dealing with this year. Why do you think so many Christians, you know, I'm guessing that most of our, my listeners, the people who who donate to your ministry, the people who read Charisma magazine, most of them are going to vote for Donald Trump. They just vote for the conservative candidate every time it rolls around. But I also see a lot of apathy. A lot of Christians aren't registered to vote. We're afraid that a lot of Christians will stay home instead of vote. Why do you think there's such apathy in the body of Christ? Lack of knowledge. And it's, the young ones do not know what socialism is. They don't have a clue. And it's, they don't, at the same time, they do not know what capitalism is. So they're they're in this never-never land and so they just listen to the ones that are doing the most talking. But now, let me say something about this, Stephen. I've been, I've been around a long time. I'm 83 years old. And um, I've seen a whole lot come down, down the road over the years. Any Christian who stays at home and doesn't vote is guilty of murder. Every person who votes for someone knowing, knowing that they push for abortion and to kill a baby anytime they want to kill it, they're just as guilty as the doctor that performed the abortion. There's no way around that. Now, let's take the platform. The planks of a platform are tied together. You can't step over the abortion plank. You can't step over the same-sex marriage plank. You can't step over the Equal Rights Amendment plank. You step on one, you step on the other. And that politician 
whomever they are. Forget the personality. Joe Biden is a nice guy. He's got a great smile. I mean, I mean you know, he's a very likable man. But what he is saying, Stephen, when I'm standing on the platform preaching, I'm not standing on a stage. I'm standing on a platform. I'm not in show business. I'm not on a stage. I'm on a platform. And I preach and teach from that platform. Any politician, president, governor, senator, whatever the race is, is saying, come stand on this platform with me. What does that mean? I'm not agreeing with Donald Trump's personality. I've met him. I've laid hands on him and prayed for him. Personally, I like him. But I'm, I'm not voting for personality here. I am voting and putting and casting my ballot concerning that platform. And God is no longer part of the platform of the Democratic Party. They've totally and completely separated themselves from God by resolution, as you know. Earlier this year. Now, I must I must say this. I'm talking about the leadership of the Democratic Party. Stephen, there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people in that party. I'm, I'm not judging people. But you can certainly judge your politics. So it's about two different that, futures of America. And uh, I think that the future, if the Democrats get in, is scary. You know, we've sort of known this for a long time. These problems are not new. But we have never had such aggressiveness. Uh, we haven't seen no. some cities like Portland burn. Anarchists are in the street. The Democrats say nothing to condemn it. Nothing. And uh, socialism, whether it was in Venezuela or, or other countries, even in Russia when it first started, they create some kind of chaos. And in the chaos, they grab power. And I don't see how they can win based on their policies. The only thing that I heard at the Democratic National Convention, the little bit I watched and then the news reports, was that they were the only thing that unified them was not liking Donald Trump, which in some yeah, ways, every single time there's an election, you know, one side doesn't like the other side. I mean, that's just part of politics. But the hatred against Donald yeah. Trump, I believe, yeah. can only be explained in spiritual terms that it's spiritual warfare right. creating that that's level right. of hatred. Now, that's you just brought up the point. And that's, that's you're, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a step ahead of me. We're right there together. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. People hate Donald Trump. Here's the reason why people hate the United States. And it's because 
This is the only nation in the history of the world that was formed by a people who loved God for the of loving God and worshiping him in freedom. And he will never forget that, Stephen. Never. This country is still produces more gospel around the world than all other nations put together. That's the reason Satan hates it. He is deathly afraid of it. And the only, the only thing he can do is lie. There's no truth in him. And he stirs up people. And, and like one Democratic politician said, don't ever, don't ever pass up a good, a good uh, a disaster. Take advantage of a good disaster. Because you can blame it on the other party. But it's not people. People are not the enemy. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and wicked spirits in heavenly places. That's the enemy. They are out to destroy this nation, and they have been since day one. They set out to destroy it before it ever became a nation. And they haven't been able to do it. And they will not destroy it this time. Praise God for that. I agree with you 100%. But, you know, secular people, even there are a lot of good conservatives that are not necessarily believers and, and they wouldn't even understand what spiritual warfare is. You know, the body of Christ can rise up in prayer, take our authority in the name of Jesus, oh, yeah. come against these things. Now, that's hard to measure. You can't take a poll necessarily and find it out. But, you know, a lot of us, a lot of Christians feel pretty powerless, uh, not holding positions of power. And, and when a few get in, as you know, um, a lot of times they, they are hemmed in from all sides by those who are afraid that somehow we're going to cram our religion down their throats, and they have to actually be careful. I mean, that brings to mind Sarah Palin, you know, from uh, 2012. She, she grew up in the Assemblies of God, and the Republicans um, asked me not to play that up because they thought that would somehow bring disdain to the uh, John McCain-Sarah Palin ticket. And... Um, you know, this is one of the few people with a Pentecostal background that ever got to that level. I thought it was pretty interesting. Right. And then, of course, you know, we all know how all that ended. But, I mean, that is just one small example. Doug Weed, who you know, uh, who worked yes. in the Bush administration, has cited me statistics. In fact, I've done a podcast with him about how very, very few evangelical commu uh, uh, Christians are in positions of power, even in the bureaucracy, like the IRS and the court systems, and there's no real evangelicals at all on the, on the Supreme Court right now. Now, there are a couple that I believe are, are Christians, but they tend to either be Jewish or uh, Roman Catholic. And, uh, you know, you'd think with how many Christians there are in the country that more would rise to positions of power. So we're, we're kind of powerless in the, in the political sense, but we're not powerless in prayer and in the spiritual realm. So, you know, I'm sure you agree with me, but I'd be interested in what you have to say about it. Well, 
All you have to do is read the 13th chapter of Romans. The uh, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God or ordered of God. Now, verse three, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bears not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now, the apostle Paul wrote that, right? Now, let's go over here and see what else he wrote concerning that very um, that that very situation in Second Timothy chapter two. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications. Now he said, first of all, pray for this first supplications, prayers, intercessions. Let me say it again. First of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Why? Why, uh, Brother Paul, why, why should we pray that first, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth that there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified of in due time. There's the prayer mandate right there. Pray that first. Not just during an election year. I pray for my partners, I, and, I, and I do this. I pray this. How much? All the time. I prayed for Mr. Trump before he was elected. I pray for him every day since. I don't put it off and only pray it every four years. I'm completely satisfied that this is the reason there are states that have bad government and states that have good government. It's all, Stephen, this is a proven fact. It's a godly fact. The success or failure of every Christian endeavor is a prayer failure. I learned this from your and my friend, my the my father in the faith, Oral Roberts. What was the first building he built on the ORU campus? The prayer tower. The prayer tower. Pray first of all. The first person that Gloria and I hired. We were, I mean, we were this little bitty nothing of a ministry that 
And like Charles Cap said, I mean, we were so broke we couldn't pay attention, but, but we, were, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were beginning and it was growing. The first person we hired was not a secretary. It was not a helper. It was a woman to pray. Her name was Billy Adams, and it was her job to pray all day. That's the first person we had. And these words right here were the beginning of her mandate. She had to do this every day. We still do it every day. Everybody on staff does this every day. The, 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 um, the EMIC staff, everybody in this ministry, we pray, they pray this as a ministry every day. We have a prayer wall in, in, the, in the headquarters up there. And, and it, has, it has all everybody, the president, the vice president, everybody in Congress, everybody, everybody in the Senate, everybody, all their pictures up there. And go in there and lay hands on those pictures and pray for them every day. Every day. That's where the power is. That's where the failure is. Well, I agree that um, prayer is the most important thing, and I want to wrap up the podcast by asking you if you would pray. But before then, there's something very important I wanted to mention, and that is to thank you for taking time, especially on such a busy, busy day, because today was the very first day of classes at Kenneth Copeland Bible College, your third year, if I remember correctly, so congratulations yes, for that. And uh, you took time, so uh, maybe give us an update on how the Bible College is doing. Oh, Stephen, it is doing wonderfully well, and um, it's just it's such an exciting thing to, to see people take hold of these very same principles. And you know, it, it, while you were while you were saying that, it, it also occurred to me. It doesn't do any good to pray if you're not willing to act. Acting on the word is what activates faith. Pray for the president, yes. Pray for the vice president, yes. Go vote. Go vote. I said go vote. <laughs> Vote in every election. Vote in every local election. Vote every time they open the polls. The Bible, the first covenant, and the second are very, very political documents. A lot to say about politics. The biggest problem in the day of Jesus was political. Religious politics and Roman politics. Biggest problem he had. In fact, he got him killed. But thank God he's alive today. Amen. He's on the throne, he's on the throne and prayer changes things. Absolutely. And before I ask you to pray, I'll just remind you of something that um, you know, because I've reminded you of it. Listeners probably don't know that when I interviewed you in 1979 I was still in my oh, 20s back then I described you as a seven <laughs> as a 46 year old evangelist 
who uh, wasn't even on TV yet. You were still on the radio back then, and you That's right. you said that faith was an instrument you could use kind of like a carpenter uses a hammer. That's and, right. And uh, I've never forgotten that, and that <laughs> imprinted me in many, many ways. So in a somewhat similar way, the act of voting activates faith as well, and uh, I just wanted to mention that to you because you have impacted me in so many ways, and I've tried to thank you at various times over the years, but I thought I would mention it. And why don't you wrap up the podcast? We'll just end the podcast after your prayer. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and honor. You said, Lord Jesus, in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Praise God. Well, what about our country? Have faith in God. Now, what uh, what about my children? Have faith in God. What about COVID-19? Have faith in God. What are we going to do? Have faith in God. And we thank you, sir. We have faith in you. Your word is absolutely true. And we thank you. We call it your word because it is your bond. You have given promises and they are exact blood-bought promises. In the first covenant, the blood of animals then the blood of a man in circumcision and the second covenant, my Lord, my God, in the blood of Jesus himself. And we receive it. And yes, oh yes, we are one God, one nation under God, indivisible. And we give you praise. Now I'm asking you, sir, to bless this man, Stephen Strang, and the powerful, powerful instrument that he has and that he is in the hands of your spirit. His, his words are strong and they go out and they affect no, only you know how many people because those magazines just get traded around and sent all over the world and, and it's, it's the power of that printed page. And we glorify you and we glorify your name, the name that's above every name. And we bow our knee to that majestic name and ascribe all of the glory and all the praise and all the honor for the wonderful name Jesus. Amen. Amen.